Um, but we want to just take a few moments um, just to come and uh, to open up God's Word and just to, uh, to seek to draw near to the one who's drawn near to us. Uh, throughout the past several weeks, we've been looking at this idea of Emmanuel, that this is this title that's been given to Jesus, that he is God with us. And we're looking at the gospel in light of that truth and saying, why is it significant uh, that, that Jesus is God with us? Why is it that we don't have to elevate ourselves to get up to him? Why is it significant that, that he came down to us? And, and, and so as we kind of contemplate and think about that, what I'd like for you to do is I just offer you a couple moments here uh, to reflect on the year that's been. And so uh, think about where you work last Christmas Eve. Maybe you were here in this very sanctuary. Maybe you were somewhere else last Christmas Eve. And think about all that's transpired in the past year. Um, and just kind of uh, catalog in your mind the year that was, the highs, the lows, the ups and downs. And so let me give you a rare gift. Let me give you a few moments of of relative silence just to think about the year that you've gone through. I'm sure there's all sorts of, of things that come to mind. And um, just looking out across uh, the faces here and seeing everybody, I, I know that there's there's been ups and downs. There's been some great moments of joy. There's been incredible moments of sorrow. There's been successes and failures and victories. And, uh, and so if we lived in a, in, if, if the gospel was more about us getting to God, if we were seeking to get up to him, then, then those things that you just ran through in your mind would, would establish a pecking order here in the room of, all right, this, this person's pretty close. They've almost made it. They've almost reached a place of being accessible to God. Uh, this person's way down here. They've got a long ways to go, right? That, uh, that, that somebody might be falling in the middle or you might be, man, I had a rough year. I got to double up my efforts next year or I got the ball rolling good. I just got to keep it going, right? Whatever it would be. But, but that's not what the gospel is. What the gospel tells us is that wherever we're at, whatever this past year held, whatever we experienced and went through and whatever you're thinking about the past year with, with smiles or with tears, that Jesus has already made a way that he's, he's come down and he will dwell with you right exactly where you're at. Um, that he'll meet you where you are and invite you into relationship with him, that you don't have to work your way into his favor. You don't have to work your way into acceptance of him. And so the fact that Emmanuel, that Jesus Emmanuel, that he's God with us is incredibly significant because it changes the way that we look at our life. It, it changes our hope for life because if it was based on how good we are and if we were honest with ourselves, um, I can tell you that that, that those with spiritual maturity in here can look back on the past year and be like, man, there might have been some victories, but I got a long way to go, right? <laughs> if you're here like, man, I crushed it this year. I just knocked it out of the park. Um, then you might have a few blind spots in your own life, right? So, so, so we all know how, how much we need to do and that we could do better. But, but the gospel is the good news that we don't have to do that to be accepted by him, that Jesus will meet us where we're at. And so, so that changes the way that we look at every aspect of the, of the Christmas account and the gospel story. And, and let's just be honest for a moment. The Christmas account is really bizarre. There's so much weirdness in it that we've just kind of accepted because um, we've, we've become numb to it almost. We've just kind of got it. So how many of you guys have little miniature stables set up in your home, right? With like animals and like a little a feeding trough for the animals that you've actually got a little baby Jesus placed in, right? Like, and we just say, you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's how it is. You know, he was born in a stable, of course, right? Like, it, it's just common sense, right? Uh, there, there's so many aspects of the Christmas story that when, when you're reading through it, were you struck by that? It, it's the story of a, a young mother 
with a baby out of wedlock, right? It's, it's, a, it's a story of a, a couple that gets this last-minute call that, man, we thought we were going to have the baby here, and now all of a sudden we've got to travel and be registered because the government, right? It's a story of the government annoying you, right? That's, that's something we can all relate to. Uh, they get there. He didn't make reservations, and so now there's no room in the end, right? There's, there's so many things that we can just kind of take for granted. And so as, as we've been studying this over the past several weeks, and, uh, um, and I would encourage you if, you, if you haven't been with us over the past couple of weeks, to go on our website and check out the sermons. They've been really good, and I only preached one of them, so I'm not promoting myself here. But, but, but it's been really awesome to dig into God's Word and understand this Christmas story from a different perspective. But, but one of the things that jumped out to me is this story of the wise men and the, and the gifts that they brought. And it was the last, uh, the last passage that John read there. We've got it on the screen for you. And he read about the wise men coming and following the star and coming and seeking the baby Jesus and bringing these gifts. And, and really what struck me as I read it is, is how weird uh, the gifts are, in particular one of the gifts, right? So, so we've got gold. Gold makes sense. Gold is always valuable. Uh, you're sitting here tonight. You either feel pretty good or bad about your financial situation because of a bunch of zeros and ones that are lined up in the right way out there on the internet <laughs> that claim that you have a certain amount of money in your bank account, right? But it's, it's not like tangible. If all of a sudden that was deleted, you wouldn't have anything to show for it. Or you've got some paper in your pocket. But, but really, a gold is like a lasting, valuable resource, right? Through all time, that's always been. So that one makes sense. Okay, they brought them gold. That's good. If any of you guys want to give me gold for Christmas, I will take that. Uh, more than willing to receive that gift, right? Frankincense. Also, it was, it was, a, it was a costly... Incense, it was something that it related to worship, and, and so it, it made sense that he's holy and he's worthy of our worship. And so, so that gift actually made sense as well. But the third gift is the one that got me, right? It's myrrh. And myrrh is not something that we, we typically use, but, but it's something that related to a funeral. It related to, to burial, to death. You guys are familiar with the, the Christmas carol uh, with We Three Kings. And the line in that says this, uh, Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> right? Here's, here you go, buddy. Right? So it's, it's a crazy gift. It's kind of like if you went to a child's birthday party and you're looking at the other parents, hey, what'd you, what'd you get? Oh, yeah, I got some Legos, or, you know, I got a My Little Pony, or I got Shopkins, or I got, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, I got these things. You parents, you know what I'm talking about with Shopkins, right? You know, that's... That was the hot thing. I think it's, 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 it's moment may be fading, but, but he, you know, and, and so you're saying like, oh, yeah, oh, actually, you know, I overspent a little bit, but uh, right here, this is a paper. This is a deed to a cemetery plot, and, uh, and I also got him a tombstone, and uh, so I'm going to wrap that up and give it to him, right? Like, people look like, like, you're sick. What is wrong with you? Why would you get that gift for a child? And the myrrh is kind of like that, right? Like, we understand theologically, I get it. The commentators say this pointed to the death and burial of Jesus. It was a foreshadowing, and, and we all get that. But they didn't get that back then, right? This wise man was just, he was following God, and he was being obedient, and he felt led to follow a star. He left everything behind. He went at great cost and expense and time, and he went, and he felt led to bring this gift of myrrh. And I speculate that he may not have even understood Certainly not fully why he was bringing it, but, but he felt compelled by God to bring this gift of myrrh. And you know the guy with the gold was looking at him like, come on, dude, right? Myrrh! 
But he brought the gift and he gave it to Jesus. And, and now here we are 2,000 years later talking about the incredible significance. Like, yeah, anybody could have brought gold or frankincense, but myrrh showed a depth of understanding that, that this baby who has come as the king was one day going to die and give his life for all of us. Had incredible power and symbolism behind it. And so, so the first kind of word, the, the access point that I want to give you here is that you might be here tonight and, and maybe you have been seeking God this past year. Maybe you've been praying and asking for his direction and his guidance, and he's just leading you down a path that feels weird, right? You're, you're like, man, I don't understand where you're leading me, God. The, the doors that you're opening don't feel like the doors that I want to be opened. You're, you're leading me in a direction. I know I'm seeking you. I know this is where you're taking me, but, but my friends and my family are looking at me weird, and they think that I'm, I'm going in a strange direction, and they don't get it, and, and I'm not sure I get it. I just want to encourage you to, to persevere, to hang on. If it's from God, if he's leading you there, he has a purpose in it, and I'm sure that it extends far beyond anything that you could, could think or imagine. And so my word to you would be to stay the course. If, if, if that's descriptive of where you're at today, if you've been seeking the Lord and he's leading you in a direction and you, you kind of don't get it, you don't know what he's doing with it, I, I would just encourage you like the wise man to bring the gift and allow Jesus to make it significant by being the recipient of it. It, uh, it reminded me of of something that we've experienced in the life of our church here, and it was, uh, it was related to our first mission trip to Brazil that we did several years ago. Uh, there was a guy named Steve who was going on the trip. He was part of a Bible study. They were all sharing and getting excited about it, and there was one guy in the Bible study named Rob, uh, and, and, and Rob said, hey, man, do you have a, like a Swiss Army knife that you're going to take with you? And he's like, ah, oh, no, you know, I don't really, I don't have anything like that. And he's like, man, I feel like, he's like, this is weird, and I don't know why, but I feel like God's like compelling me to give you a knife to take along on the trip. And so, and Rob actually, he couldn't find it, so it wasn't like he just had it in his, but like he knew that he wanted to give it to him, he knew he had it, he couldn't find it. He's searching around his house, he kind of forgot about it for a while, and God kept bringing this back on his heart. So finally he dug around, he found the knife, and he gave it to Steve, and he's like, I don't know why, but you need to take this on your trip. And he's probably envisioning like, man, you're going to have to wrestle an anaconda and like stab it in the throat, or you're going to have to, you know, who knows, it's going to be some MacGyver scenario with a pack of gums and some matches and, and your Swiss Army knife, and you're going to save the world. Like, Rob didn't know what it was, but he knew he had to send it. And so he sent it with Steve. Steve goes through the week. As far as I know, he didn't, he didn't do any of that stuff, right? And as far as I know, it just stayed in his luggage. But towards the end of the week, he felt compelled to give it to the pastor down there. Um, and so he wrote a note to him, and he said, hey, you know, this Swiss Army knife I wanted to give to you because it just reminds me of how in this community you're like a Swiss Army knife for, for the people here, that you take them to Jesus whichever way uh, you need to do it, whatever you need to do, whether it's serving, whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching, uh, however, you're just there for the people, and I just want to give this to you as a reminder of that. And so he gave it to him and, and left it and, and, and didn't think much about it. He came back, and, and he told Rob, like, hey, man, I gave your, uh, your knife to the pastor down there, and Rob was like, yeah. And maybe you don't know knife code, but when someone gives you a knife, you do not give the knife away, right? You keep the knife. And, uh, and so he was, he was kind of a little bit upset that he had given it away uh, for a moment, but then they explained, like, oh, no, you should have met the pastor. And, and after they explained it to him, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. That was good. I'm glad you did that or whatever. And so they thought that was the end of the story. But a few days later, uh, Scott, who led the trip, gets this email from the pastor down there, and he says, hey, you guys, you left me a gift of a knife, and you'll never know the significance of that knife. He said, I've been praying to God and praying and praying, but I, I was starting to feel like maybe God didn't hear my prayers anymore. I was starting to feel like maybe he wasn't listening because I was praying and I, I just, I, he wasn't responding and I wasn't getting an answer and I was starting to question whether he was hearing me. And when I got that knife, it was a clear answer from him because when I was a little boy, 
I had always wanted a Swiss Army knife. And, and Umberto said that he had always wanted it, but his parents wouldn't give it to him when he was little because you don't give a kid a knife, right? It's right up there with Tombstone as far as inappropriate gifts for kids, right? And then as he got a little bit older, there was just never money. There was never enough. And even as he became a grown man, and there was always a re- he, he always wanted it, and he would pray about it at times, but, but he never got it. And so when that was given to him, it was like God himself handing the knife to him and saying, I'm listening to your prayers. I hear them. And in my time, in my season, I will answer. And it affected him so profoundly. And when he shared that story, it affected Steve profoundly because Steve had been obedient to God and given him the knife. And, and it affected Rob. And then Scott went to another church and shared that story. And a man came up to him after the service and he says, hey, look, God's leading me to give this knife to Steve. <laughs> so Steve got another knife. And who knows, he may give it away again. I don't know. But now he knows knife code, so maybe he'll keep it. But I share that story to encourage you that um, you know, sometimes, like the first example, right, with the myrrh, he was given this, he didn't even understand why, he didn't know what it was all about, he just felt led to do it, and he was obedient. With this one, Rob knew what that knife was worth, he knew the value of it, he knew what it could do, and he gave it as a gift for that purpose, but then God flipped the script on him, and he totally changed it. And sometimes with us, we're guilty of, of doing that, we write out the script for God, we're like, God, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my time and my effort, and I know exactly what you can do with it. I know the best stuff you can do with it. So here it is. Here's my game plan. Here's my blueprint. And so many times God will come and say, no, I got something way better than that, imagine. Just just give the gift. (laughs) No strings attached, and let me use it. And so for you, you might be here, and, and maybe you're struggling against that, that you've written out the script for God, but God's changing the plan on you, and you're like, no, God, this was a good plan. But I just want to encourage you that his plan is better. There's, there's one more unusual gift I want to talk about tonight, and, uh, and you guys know the, um, the story of the little drummer boy, right? The, the Christmas carol that, that we sing. And um, man, you, you love that, right? You got uh, David Bowie. I mean, what other Christmas song is David Bowie singing, right? And, uh, and, and you're kind of like, listen, and it's just, you know, you're going through the department stores, you hear this song, but does anybody ever stop to think about the fact that that is the most bizarre song ever, right? Like, what more inappropriate gift beyond a tombstone could you give to a baby, a newborn infant, than a, a child drummer <laughs> practicing his snare drum, right? And apparently it wasn't very good because the ox and lamb were keeping time, right? So they're like, come on, buddy, get on the beat, find the beat, right? And so, uh, so for those of you that have newborn infant babies, you know, right? Like, this is a terrible idea. If the baby's sleeping, you don't want a drummer to come because he's going to wake the baby up, right? If the baby's happy, you don't want a drummer to come because the, ba- the drummer is going to make the baby unhappy, right? Like, hey, happy birthday to you, right? And the kid's like, wow, right? Yeah, I wanted to evoke that response. Um, and here's my point, is that, that there's something, in the, in the Christmas story, this idea of unusual gifts being made valuable because of who they're given to is just in, so ingrained to the story that we accept it. We say, yeah, a little drummer boy, he's, just gonna, he's got nothing to give. He has no gift to bring that's fit for a king, but he can go play his drum. And that's the truth of us as well. And so for some of you, you might be here tonight, and maybe you're here for sentimental reasons. You like to light a candle on Christmas Eve, and it just makes you feel uh, kind of nostalgic. Or, or maybe you're here because a relative begged you to come, and this is your Christmas gift to them, they, that you just came because they asked you to, and it's going to make them happy. And maybe you're listening, and you're saying, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, there is, maybe there is a God. Maybe Jesus really was his son, and maybe all of this is true. But even if that's true, I don't think he wants anything to do with me. 
I don't think he wants my drumming in his life, right? I, I, th- I think that uh, I, I've done so much to run away from him that I can't imagine that he, I could possibly be right with him. And that's what I want to share with you tonight is that the gospel says that wherever you're at, that, that even the drummer boy is accepted. <laughs> that even the drummer boy, his gift is valuable, not because of its inherent gift in and of itself, but because of who it's been given to. And we're tempted to think about this as like the greatest gift exchange ever, right? The greatest secret Santa, like you give a stick of gum and they give you the keys to a brand new multi-million dollar mansion, right? Like we're tempted to think about it that way, but, but it's actually, it's quite different than that. See, our lives were never ours to begin with. They were always his. And when we take our lives for our own, we're stealing from God. We're using something that was meant to glorify him and we're using it for ourselves. And so when we give our life, to Jesus, when we lay it at his feet, we're returning to him what's rightfully his. And then he can begin to use it as it was meant to be used. So I want to encourage you tonight that, that maybe God is calling you to, to come home to him, to, to give your life to him, uh, to lay it at his feet and say, Jesus, I don't even know why you would want this hot mess that is my life. I feel that way quite often. <laughs> I'm painfully aware of, of, of my inadequacies, but I'm willing to lay them at his feet And I've had the joy of seeing him use the things that I've given him for his glory. And I'm always amazed at it. But it's because common things become powerful when they're given to the Savior. You know, it was just a stable. It was just a place for animals until it became the birthplace of the king. It was just a feeding trough for some cows until it became the crib of the king. It was just a little boy's lunch until it fed 5,000 people. It was just some mud and dirt until Jesus took it and put on a blind man's eye and and made him see. It was just perfume until until a woman poured it on the feet of Jesus, anointing him before his his burial. It was just water until Jesus turned it into wine. It was just a collection of uneducated fishermen and tax collectors and outcasts until they were chosen by Jesus to change the world. It was just two wooden planks that Romans used to torture and crucify criminals until Jesus turned it into the greatest symbol of hope and victory that we could ever know. And so I want to encourage you that whatever you have tonight, whatever your life is built around, whatever its purpose is, whatever, whatever you've got, if you will come and you will lay it at the feet of Jesus, he will joyfully and gladly receive you and love you and begin to walk with you and dwell with you, Emmanuel, God with us, for his glory. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the message of the gospel, the hope that we find in the gospel, that you are not a distant God, that it's not a recipe for how to elevate ourselves up to you, but rather it's the, the incredible account of how you came down for us, that you came down to dwell among us. We celebrate that. We thank you for that. We praise you for that tonight. And I pray that if there are any here tonight, who have felt distant from you, who have felt confused by the path that you've led them down, who who feel like maybe you won't accept them or receive them, I want, I pray that the the Holy Spirit, that you you would compel them, that you would show them, you would demonstrate to them your incredible love. You've already proven your love for us by by coming down and giving your life for us. I pray that that would be real and tangible for us here tonight, and I pray this in the name of Jesus.